Well, we got a bunch back there. I'll take them home if you don't trust them. <laughs> the Lord God has given me the tongue of the land that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learn. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. Amen. Please be seated. First thing I want to talk about is, uh, I'm going to use a lot of scriptures, few scriptures, just to make my case, because I've always believed this. And uh, by the grace of God, today, I stand in the house with the family of God as a pastor, but I walked a lot long before I was a pastor. I didn't think I was going to be a pastor. I acted like a pastor. I pastored the church with my pastor. I did my own thing, and he was doing his own thing. That's the way I saw it. And But always stayed under his authority. Always listened to whatever he's doing. If he tells me to do something, that's what I did. And uh, sometimes I was afraid. If I, knew, if I felt like God has taught me much in a given area, then I'm aware that my pastor possibly... I guess I came from a background where we dealt with demons a lot. And, and when you come to America, we act like these things don't exist anymore. <laughs> They've gone into hiding. But I'm aware of it. And sometimes in church I can see... But I, you close your mouth shut until pastor says, can you help with this? Yeah. But I'm not going to go to pastor and make him feel like, you don't know, he's my pastor. He's my leader. Uh, but I have to serve under him. We have to walk together. And that's the way the kingdom works. We have to walk together. Let me read, start with Luke chapter 4, uh, 5 through 6. It's talking about worship. This is the temptation of Jesus. This is where I got this from about service. Uh, and so I want to let you see what I believe God has shown to me just reading the scriptures years back and it just really opened my eyes and from that time I was going to do something. It didn't matter what, whether I have to sweep or go bring somebody to church, use my car, take them to church. It didn't matter. I wanted to do something. Just tell me what you want me to do. Go buy donuts. I wanted to do something because it's better to, to serve. And this is the scripture here. It says, Then the devil, taking him, that's Jesus, up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. So all of the kingdoms of the world, I don't know how this happened, but he was able to show Jesus every kingdom of the world. And the devil said to him, to Jesus now, All this authority, so the kingdoms of the world have authority. Everything that's, physical, spiritual, whatever is in the world, is under some authority. Somebody is controlling them. It says, all this authority I will give to you and their glory. So the kingdoms have glory, for this has been delivered to me. question is, who delivered it to him? Somebody did, was delivered to him. So right now, everything that was in the world... According to this scripture, Satan has authority over it. Doesn't matter whether it's physical or if it's spiritual, he had authority. And he's talking about the glory, that's the money, everything that's in it. He says, Somebody delivered to me. And another thing that you we need to understand, notice Jesus didn't say, No, you're lying. <laughs> that was the truth. 
uh, Satan doesn't tell the truth, but this time he was tempting, so he's got to come from the point of truth before he goes to another, another corner, and if, in case you didn't catch it. But he was telling him, Adam, deliver this thing to me. I have it now, and I, I control it. And, but then he says to Jesus, um, he demanded worship. He says, for this has been delivered to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. And that's still happening till today. It's still happening today, till today. Satan is still working among people. And, and, and sometimes Christians are deceived that they are doing so well. They're not doing as well as you think. You have to be in your lives to find out what Satan is doing. All you see is the outward. And it's like what Satan told Eve. You'll be like God. But they were like God. They knew they, they had the knowledge of good and evil. But they, they died spiritually on that very day. But notice what it says here. These have been delivered to me, and I'll give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you, because of what I've told you, uh, if you will worship before me, in other words, I need you to worship me right now, because I got these things that I can give to you. If you will worship before me, all will be yours. I'll give you everything. You have everything. What was he asking for? Worship. Just worship. Basically, fall down, kneel, whatever you want, whatever way you would, the Jews worship, do it to me. Because I got all of these things on the earth, and you need it. And Jesus answered and said to him, Get behind me, Satan, for it is written. So Jesus is saying what was written. You shall worship the Lord your God. That's what Satan wanted, right? You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Satan asked for worship, but Jesus talked about worship and service. Because if you are a true worshiper, you will serve. There is no doubt about it. If you are a true worshiper, if you are worshiping God in truth, in spirit and in truth, you will find a way to serve. They go together. You cannot worship without serving. I I found this out years ago. It's not by a message. It's just my eyes were open. Wow, this is wonderful here. You've got to do this. So you can't sit as a Christian and watch others do something in your father's house and you're doing nothing. Your worship is not complete. Because worship and service must go together. Satan asked for worship, but Jesus knew, if I worship you, then I will have to serve you. And he said, no. They go together. And that's why you find those who are active in the house of God and are serving, they grow. And God works with them. When God needs something done, he won't go to the one who doesn't serve. If he wants to speak, he goes to the one who is serving. And sometimes it changes their, whatever they are doing. They start maybe walking back in bathroom area or whatever, cleaning. And the next thing you know, they're doing something very different. Because God knows I can trust this person to both worship me and to serve me. So it's a very key thing that I think is missing among us believers. Some people just don't think about service at all. And you really cannot connect with God until you start doing it, no matter how little it is. Jesus talked about giving just a cup of water, right? And you will not lose your reward. That's service. 
that service. These things are very important. Uh, to God, in my mind, a service is bigger than just worship. Because God knows if you serve, you worship. Now I reversed it. If you are really serving in the house of God, you will worship. It's no way you. Well, that's who you are now. So God's asking for service, because to God, service is more important than worship. Knowing the way He's created us, when you serve Him, you worship Him, and you truly worship Him, because your service is born out of a heart of worship. And so, if you read in the Old Testament. When God wanted to deliver the children of Israel from Egypt, notice God didn't say to uh, Moses, now go to Pharaoh and tell Pharaoh, let my people go to the wilderness so that they may worship me. That was not the word used. And yet they worshipped in the wilderness. The word that was used, let my people go that they may serve me. So service is very important to God. You can't be in the house of God in the kingdom without service. You have to serve. Find something to do. You get into a church and they, they don't know you. I'm not going to tell the pastor. You know, I've had a lot of experience in this. It won't be too long before they notice that there's something different about you. Today I have an example. I don't need to lift anybody up. But one of our uh, leaders here that I respect a lot is Pastor Roy. Uh, I, I do that. When Pastor Roy started attending our church, I didn't know him very well. But in those days, uh, we were back in that building. And for the most part, uh, we were sm- much uh, smaller g- congregation. I think for the most part, I did most things. I got in the church very early. And Marco was with me most of the time, and I did a lot of cleaning. We're still doing the same thing. Sometimes I vacuumed the church on Sunday morning. Uh, yeah. I vacuumed the church, arranged the chairs on Sunday morning, run back home, and kept get back to church. And um, we had cones, you know, these uh, cones for traffic, and I put them out. And... Um, Sometimes uh, when you come in the morning, they, they do, when somebody is to do the work for us, they clean and they sweep. And then in the morning, the bugs have come and the bugs all around the entrance. <laughs> and, then, and I will be sweeping that in the mornings. And uh, he found out that's what I was doing. I never said anything to him. And he wouldn't let me do it. It was a big fight. And it didn't matter to me. It was something that I really enjoyed. But he came in early, and once he saw me with the broom, he said, Pastor, give me that broom. And, and he don't want me to touch anything. And I said, why don't you get lost? <laughs> Leave me alone. I'm okay. I'm happy with what I'm doing. This is our church. And then he noticed I was taking the cones, and some days I'm running to get it. He's already there. He's done everything. But I, I, I started thinking, what's driving this man? So I took him out and I said, now, uh, what do you do? He told me what he did. I said, he then he said, uh, spiritually, well, said, I teach Bible study in my place of work. You do? I said, yes, okay. Prepare a little sermon 
and come and teach me. Come to my office and, 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 uh, and preach to me. I'm telling his story. Now, now he's one of our pastors here. But he was just a member. He was new to me then. And we went out, went to a restaurant. I believe that's where I have a special restaurant where I meet with these guys. <laughs> it's called the Dennis. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I think uh, Pastor Dwight said, Do you just like Dennis? I said, That's where I take people to get it. <laughs> when he's serious, unless Angela changes it, that's, but if it's just me, that's where we're going. If Angela joins me, we may go somewhere else. But if it's just me, we're going to Dennis for breakfast, even if it's lunchtime. But, um, so I said, prepare a little sermon for me and, and come and teach me. I want to hear you. We got the date arranged and we got in my office. I shut the door. I said, okay, now show me. And this guy raised his voice and started preaching. I said, no, you need to remember it's just me and it's your audience. <laughs> Calm down, okay? Slow it down, okay? Yeah. Uh, it's wonderful. I said, that's great. And he had great truth to it. So I said, wow. Gus, thank you, Jesus. I got a helper. And I uh, started looking for a way to make him teach Sunday school. And we graduated him. Now he's the pastor of Calvert. My point is, he found a place to serve. And God knew. He didn't know I was going to Calvert. But Pastor Roy was born in Calvert. I didn't tell him what I was doing. I just found myself in Calvert and found this is where God wanted us to walk. He said he felt something when I mentioned I was going to Calvert. I, I didn't know he was born there. But God had everything arranged. Amen? That's the way God works. You can start from, you know, just cleaning something. And then now uh, God puts you. That doesn't mean, well, I'm now pastor. I'm not going to clean anything. No, that's just wrong. <laughs> you still have to serve. Amen? It's very important to serve. So service is bigger. I'm reading this scripture. Uh, Exodus 4. 4 22, 23. It says, Then you shall say to Pharaoh, Thus said the Lord, Israel is my son. Sons serve with the king in the kingdom. Israel is my son, my firstborn. So I say to you, Let my son go that he may serve me. But if you refuse to let him go, indeed I will kill your son. Amen. When you are serving God and you are really busy with serving God, He fights for you. And if somebody stands in the way of your serving Him, you are looking for trouble. Notice He didn't talk about worship, right? That He may serve me. And if you prevent Him from serving me, I'm going to kill your son. That's what it is. Are you serious about this? But no word about worship is spoken because if you truly serve you will worship truly service is very important so that's why we're asking we as a church we have to make give opportunities for people to find their place of service because that's the way god wants it doesn't matter you he created you he he knows what you can bring to the body and you take what he's giving you and do whatever that is to help the body one man cannot build a church. It's not possible. That's not the way God has designed it. 
And I'm not afraid. I have nothing to prove. I need you. We need to walk to the, you know, together in this things. I think I told people recently, the Art Fellowship can exist without me. That's the truth. When we were few, like three or four, ten, twenty people, I could have said at that point, I don't want to do this anymore and everybody can go. There will be no Art Fellowship. But now, I say it and God brings somebody else. That's just the way it is. The Art Fellowship is always going to be here. It's God's thing now. It's much bigger. And God can use people. It's never going to go anywhere. I am very aware of it. The Art Fellowship doesn't need me. I need God. We all need God. And God can, some of that person, if I leave, those of you here that are leaders will say, what do we do? Let's get another pastor. Guess what? The church continues. So I'm very aware of it. My job is to do what God has called me to do, my own part in this thing that is much bigger than myself at this point. But I needed those that were with me at the very beginning. I couldn't have done it without them. So that's what this thing is all about. And that's why we're here tonight. And it's very important. Find your place of service. No matter what, how small it is. Help with the work of God in the house. And we bring more people so we can, it's easier for us to do. And we grow. So that's what is important in this thing. Another thing that should let you know about the greatness of service. Jesus tells us, uh, the greatest among you will be what? The one that's the servant of all. If you want to be great, you serve. Because service is what brings you greatness. Not just worship. It's service. Humble service. Before God, that's what brings greatness. These things are there for us to now. Serving God. Um, In Mark 10, verse 43, 245, Jesus was saying, yet it shall not be so among you. You know, in the kingdom of God, it's different. In the world, that's different. The big shots don't want to do anything. They let people serve them. But Jesus is saying, if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, that's not the way it works. The kingdom works in a different fashion. You need to recognize that these are principles. If you walk in the world way, world's way, he's not going to help you. You won't profit of it, you know, with it in the kingdom of God. It tells us that in First Corinthians 13. If I have all of these gifts and I don't have love, it profits you nothing. So to profit in the kingdom, service is very important. And it tells us this. Then you shall, uh, sorry, uh, yet it shall not be so among you. He told them what is happening in the world, but not so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant, the one who is serving the most. That's the greatest. And we think, okay, he's serving, he's going to stay there. No, God will make him great right before your eyes because he's serving. In this very current world, God will make him great. That's what he's saying here. You are great when you serve. And verse 44, and whoever of you desires to be first shall be slaves of all. If you want to be number one, you got to serve everybody then. I mean, you got to slave it out among them. <laughs> That's right. It's like you're the slave. Before long, I've, you know, I've seen this. I'm, I'm going to tell you how this, the way I've seen it in my mind 
If you go to a church and you see a guy who is busy um, putting stuff in different places and arranging the chairs and all of that, and you're new, and you need to ask a question about what's going on, guess who you go to? That fellow. That's who you go to. Because you figure he knows what's going on here. Because he's moving chairs and talking, coming to the pulpit, arranging things and talking, but doing his own thing. They know, if I need to know something about what's going on here, that's the man to go to. Or that's the woman to go to. The servant becomes the great, the greatest among us. But then Jesus told us why this is. For even, he's telling us, for even. In other words, every time I see the word for, I replace it with the word because. Because of my mind, you know. I change the word for to because, because I seem to get it better that way. He says, he says all of these things to us. Then he says, because, I'm telling you, because even the Son of Man, that's Jesus himself, who is the greatest of all? But when he came to the earth, he came to serve. He came to serve. And so if we want to be great, that's the way it works in the kingdom. That's the one that's going to be number one in God's mind. That's the one God will choose. I need to say this, that everyone can contribute to the growth of the body. Everybody can. You have something to add to to the body of Christ. God never designed it for one man to be responsible for everything that is happening in the body of Christ. In Ephesians 4, verse 6, uh, verse 16, it says, For whom the whole body joined and knits together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share. Every part of us. Causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. So every part is, everybody that's in part of the Christ, you have something to put to the body. So that the body grows together and we are working in unity. If you're not supplying, and there are so many examples in scriptures, I don't want to put, I didn't want to put all of them here, where Paul was telling us, one man cannot do this. He's like a, a, a full man. With eyes, all the body is not the eye, he says. And so one, one is the eye, and he says, those parts that we think we don't need, we really need those things. There's no way the church can go without the greatest coming in there. That's what he's saying. It seems like it's not a big deal, like being behind the pulpit is the real thing. No, no, those people out there, they are making it happen, not the one behind the pulpit. But people who don't want to serve, they're eyeing the pulpit for the most part. <laughs> that's where they want to go because they want to be seen. And that's not the place to go. Start over there and then come over here. But people come, they want to come behind this. <laughs> Until they find out what it means to be behind this and they don't want it anymore. <laughs> so the body must work together in love and in serving. That's how the love works to unify us. And it tells us in in Romans 12, verse 4 through 7, For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, 
That's what he's telling us. He's saying in, in the church, we have many members, but everybody doesn't say, every, everyone doesn't serve the same function. So we, that's us Christians, people of the Ark Fellowship, being many, are one body, all of us, in Christ and individually members of one another, having then gifts. So you have your gifts, deferring according to the Deferring according to the grace that is given to us. Everyone is different. What you can do, some things you can do, I can't do those things. Sometimes I wonder how Jennifer and the rest of them deal with the children back there. I'll lose my mind working with them back there. You know, there was a time I was able to do it, you know. And I sang, you know, used to talk about singing, Father Abraham has many songs. And, and me running around, and I enjoyed it. That was my, but now I'm wondering, I wonder how I did that. And I think, how can these people do this? And I'm very grateful in my heart that they, I have people here that are willing and are able to do that and enjoy it. I can't do it. I mean, it's not because I want to be here. I'd rather go to the bathroom clean there than to go be teaching children. I can't do that anymore. I mean, that's the way it is. I'm telling you, I feel that way. And I really appreciate them a lot. I enjoy just watching them do it. I don't know what's driving you guys. I'm thinking, but I wouldn't do this. <laughs> At times, God, I can't do it. And I'm not trying to put anything. So I truly appreciate them. Because without these people, there's no church here. It's going to be really hard for me, for anybody. Pastor and the whole church. It's hard. So these people are very important to the scheme of what God's doing here at the ark. But most times people don't want that. They want to be out. I think we're missing it. We're really missing it. We're really missing it. We need to be out there because we are working as members of the same body. And if we have a lot of people, I know most of us will want to be just like me. I want to be in the sanctuary. But if you, if you have 10 people doing exactly the same thing, then you can rotate. Then it doesn't feel like you've been out of service. But when it's just few people doing it, it's really burdensome. It's hard. That means some people are not supplying what God's giving to them. They have gifts, but they are holding on to them. So notice what it says about the five talents. And the, the two and the one, take that one that is not using it, give it to, to these guys that have. That's the way God must use it, use the talent. So we must, according to the grace of God, whatever that gift is, God says for us to use it. Um, just to make a point that, that if God really wants, this thing, we're all connected. It becomes so clear to me uh, when I read Paul's scripture, what Paul is saying, that we are all connected, even the church as a whole. Paul said something, actually in Romans chapter 8, he says, uh, we'll be glorified with Jesus if we also suffer with him. You know that scripture? So there is a part of suffering in the body of Christ that ought to be. All of us are connected. And if there's, a, there's lack in service or the lack in suffering, the body of Christ is lacking something. And I was surprised to hear Paul saying, uh, in my suffering, I am making up for the less suffering of Christ that's lacking in the body. 
And let me read that scripture to you. Please give me that scripture. It's in uh, Colossians chapter 1 verse 24. Please try to understand it because we are truly connected. So there is a level of suffering in the body of Christ that must be met for God to be working with us. For the kingdom to be growing. I didn't realize this, but from Paul's words, he bore a bunch of, he bore a, a whole lot of load of that. While others were prospering, he was making up for that level of suffering. Because the Bible says we must suffer with him. And service is sometimes it's not fun. You feel like you have to be here. It's sacrifice. But it's helping the whole body. We got that scripture. It says, I now rejoice in my suffering for you. That's strange. You're suffering for me. You're suffering for Paul, right? But Paul says, I'm suffering for you. Because we are connected. Listen to this. I now rejoice in my suffering for you and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the affliction that's the suffering of Christ. But Christ has already suffered and gone. So what is he talking about? We are connected. Everything that's happening to us, we are all together. And the same way goes with service. If one of us not doing it, then we are complaining. Well, I wonder why the church is because you're not doing your part. You're part of the problem. You're not supplying that joint. You're part of the problem. Because if you do your part, the church will be growing. But if we all sit down, like a pastor told me, they're waiting for me to do everything. I can't do everything. So we're closing down the church. I wonder what's going to happen on the day of judgment if that's what God really wanted. We all need to work together. It says, uh, And fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the, suffering, in the affliction of Christ for the sake of his body, which is what? The church. So he's taking some punishment to meet that level. I don't know what that level, only God knows. That level of suffering that all, must always be part of the church. Here, the United States, we worship, but in maybe northern Nigerians, the Nigeria, they are stoning people to death to meet that level. Christians are always suffering all over the world. We may not be suffering here, but somewhere in the world, somebody has been killed for their faith to meet that level of suffering. But if we are not, what are we going to do? Are we going to truly serve him? We want these other people to suffer, to take one, but we don't suffer at all. We're not willing to sacrifice. I'm too tired this morning to go to church. <laughs> That's the thing. Cut it when you realize, again, that we are fully connected. Based on the scripture of the suffering, we are fully connected. It's not fair for some one person, a few people, to be handling all the suffering, and we don't even contribute. We can't even spend some time teaching children. I guess point made. We must stay united in purpose. Very important. First Corinthians 1 verse 10. Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus. Wow, time is way gone. I got to stop. Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. 
Sometimes in church, people, everybody wants to do their own thing. What, they, um, what I'm doing is more important than what the others are doing. That's not the way it works. We have to work together. We must be about our father's business. That's what it is. We have to be about our father's business. I'm going to call Teresa, please. I got to stop. Teresa, come in. She's going to share with us. And uh, they will be passing out. Um,